Chapter 11. Flicker On. Sokka's not freaking out. He's not. He's just finding it a little bit hard to breathe and sort through his thoughts right now. Which is perfectly reasonable given that by some miracle of the Avatar and all his past lives, as well as a particularly enraged spirit owl, they've just escaped the crazy fire princess in mostly one piece. Emphasis on mostly. Now they're on Appa's saddle, en route the rest of the way to the Earth Kingdom. At least Sokka thinks that's where they're going. He hasn't exactly been paying much attention, because the stubborn idiot Fire Prince is actively dying under his hands. Sokka obviously isn't an expert, but he's pretty sure that getting shot by a million volts of lightning is not healthy for any human, and counterproductive to the interests of staying alive. Of which Zuko seems to subconsciously not want to. Yeah, okay, Sokka's freaking out. Zuko's always been pale, but his skin is positively colorless now. It starkly contrasts the network of damaged skin that spreads out from the center of his chest like a starburst. Every so often, a shock of electricity courses through the broken frame, and his body spasms unwillingly through a horrific dance. Beyond that, the firebender is still, barely breathing. Sokka! Katara snaps, as the firebender's body twitches through another aftershock. I said hold him still! I need to work! Sokka's hands shake a little, fearful of causing more harm, but presses down anyway. Is he going to be okay? He asks, because he needs to know. Katara bites her lip and doesn't answer, continuing to work grimly on Zuko using the spirit water they'd kept from the oasis. The soul bond between Sokka and the firebender is going haywire, blaring like one of the North Water Tribe sirens set off. Every time Zuko's body spasms, he feels the agony echo from the center of his own chest, and Sokka has to pause to breathe harshly through it. Each breath is like a cut against a wound. In this way, Sokka's glad Zuko's not awake now, because what he can feel through the soul bond is already unbearable. It's like sticking one's hand into an open flame, but letting it linger there forever instead of immediately pulling back. The impressions of phantom pain hurt Sokka, so we can't imagine what it would be like for Zuko to be awake right now. The thing is, Sokka can't feel or hear anything from Zuko's side of the bond. It just feels cold, dead static. Sokka would have thought he was dead if not for the soul bond between them. Thankfully, the bond's still there, speaking, screaming, really, so Sokka knows there's hope for the firebender yet. He hopes. He so badly hopes. Katara is... Katara shushes him fiercely as she works, feverishly, trying to save the enemy who'd inadvertently saved her brother. It leaves Sokka's mind to wander. With features lax in unconsciousness, Zuko looks younger than he ever has, more vulnerable. It's hard to reconcile the image of this boy, barely older than Sokka, infinitely more damaged, to the shouty prince who spent half of the last year chasing them across the poles. There had been a moment, back in the library, some seconds Suko had stepped into the white building arc, that the soul bond had gone quiet. The silence after so much time feeling the underlying thrum of another's thoughts and emotions tangling with his own had been nothing short of terrifying. Sokka had grabbed Zuko's fallen body despite everything in his mind warning him to not come close to the living, electrocuted human pole, and then gotten them out of there, all the while praying in his head. Please, 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 Sokka chants in his head. Please let this jerkbender live. He prays to Tuian-la and whatever other spirits there are, 
He prays to Agni, even. He starts to negotiate with the universe. Sokka would give up meat and sarcasm, at least for one day. He would try to be nicer to Zuko, and Momo, and Appa. He'd do his share of chores. He'd admit out loud that not all the spiritual magic nonsense he's been stuck with since Aang emerged from the ice are nonsense. Fuck it. At least until the game of Catch the Avatar starts again, Sokka would try his hardest to be nicer to Zuko. Kill him with kindness. Because the fact is that Zuko's in this state because he had taken the shot for Sokka, which makes Sokka feel furious and guilty and horrified and brings a million questions. His mind flashbacks to the time in the library, right before unnatural lightning struck and the world was blown to bits. But the last time I told you father wanted you dead, I was telling the truth, wasn't I? You didn't believe me. Look where we are now, crazy maniac sister had said. I deserved it then. Zuko had replied. You know as well as I do that father never wanted you. He sent you on a wild chase for a myth for three years after all. Shut up, Zuko had shouted. Sokka could have told him that was the surefire way to make someone do the opposite of what he wanted, but then he didn't think Zuko was up for listening. Just shut up! What the fuck did that all even mean? Why did Zuko look so hopeless and desperate at the same time? Sokka's inquiring mind wants to know, and he hopes he gets the chance to ask. For now, he shoves his million questions to the back of his mind. Right now, Sokka would be happy if Zuko lived. Huh. That's... interesting. Sokka hadn't realized he cared. Sure, he didn't particularly like the guy, but he didn't want him to die either. Come on, you stubborn jerk. Don't you die on me now. Aang keeps glancing back at them every two seconds, like he'd rather be anywhere than Appa flying duty. After what seems like an eternity, Katara finally sits back on her haunches. Sokka looks up at her hopefully. Is he? I've done my best, she says, shaking her head. The hope in Sokka's chest crumbles like ice underfoot in the final days of winter. He'll have to push through the rest on his own. Well, if we know anything about Zuko, it's that he never gives up. Sokka's trying for a confident tone, but the words stick in his throat like a hitherto undiscovered sea prune pit, and what comes out is more forlorn, like a plea for resistance. The water siblings both fall silent, catching their breasts as they stare at Zuko's still figure for a moment. Sokka found himself tracing the sharp line of Zuko's jaw, the high cheekbones, the unexpectedly long lashes against closed golden eyes. Sokka hopes he'll see them open again. He saved your life, Katara says softly. Yeah, Sokka agreed, throat tight. I don't understand. Why? Sokka shrugs, eyes still fixed on Zuko. He's never made sense. Come on, jerkbender. You're a tough guy. Don't tell me you're going to keel over this. Sokka tries to jibe, because if there's anything Zuko will respond to, it's a challenge. There's no response, physical or verbal, or even mental, from the other side. Only the soul bond thrumming between them, whispering, pulling him towards Zuko. The glimmer of blue gold causes inspiration to strike. Hey, Katara? Sokka ventures. Do you think the soul bond could do anything right now to help him? Maybe. It did help you both earlier. Katara purses her lips. I honestly don't see how it could make it get worse, she admits. He's really teetering on the brink, Sokka. That's all Sokka needs to give in to the near-desperate tugging on the soul bond. 
He carefully maneuvers Zuko towards him, bringing their bodies closer. The Solbon's humming gets stronger as Sokka wraps one arm loosely around the unconscious firebender's waist. A flare of phantom pain in his own chest makes him wince, and he quickly adjusts Zuko until the flares dim to the background again. Zuko's head lulls forward to rest limply against his collarbone. Struck with a sudden flash of care, Sokka gently fixes it with his free hand so that at least his spine is in a straight line. This way, the firebender is essentially in his lap, and it should feel weird, but it isn't. In fact, it feels so... right. And good. And warm. And given the guy's literally saved his life, Sokka thinks he can let this go. Is it Sokka's wishful thinking, or does Zuko seem to be breathing easier? Watching the slow rise and fall of his chest is strangely mesmerizing. It's hypnotic. It feels like the most natural thing in the world for Sokka to reach out, palms lightly grazing the edges of the network of livid red skin on Zuko's pale sternum. Sokka! Katara cautions. There's a note of warning in her voice, and she looks like she's ready to grab his arm, and the only thing that's stopping her is the desire not to jostle the frail, damaged body between them. What are you doing? The wound's not fully healed. Don't make it worse. Sokka shushes her. Asked later, he would not be able to explain, even to himself, his own behavior. But right then, it made perfect sense to just gently move his hand across Zuko's sternum, right over the center of the wound. The soul bond sparks, the network of gold-blue. Sokka's eyes slip shut, and he breathes. All sound fades away, like he's just stepped into the ocean. There's a calling, a pull that doesn't so much command his attention as it commands it. Sokka couldn't have fought it if he tried. He focuses on where the call guides him to, and lets himself drift. It feels somewhat like swimming, moving heavy limbs across the tide of the endless waters. And the thing about the ocean is that one shouldn't fight against the current because they would always lose against the majestic strength of the sea. Instead, Sokka worked with it, allowing his body to flow with the current rather than against it. Somewhere far away, he hears a female voice gasp, but he pays it no heed. There is something to find here, something Sokka needs to find and explore and take into gentle hands and care for. Eyes still closed, he drifts further. A tiny little flickering flame there. How can a flame be burning in the middle of the ocean? Sokka doesn't know, but it doesn't matter right then. His scientific, cynical brain seems to have faded into the background, along with all his other senses. The flame captivated Sokka. Even as it flickered, as if it was in danger of being put out against the current, the stubborn little thing kept burning on. Every so often, there were hints of purple, pink, green, colors Sokka couldn't name, colors that didn't belong to fire, streaking on its surface. It's beautiful, Sokka thinks, like a little heartbeat. Sokka reaches out with his other hand. His fingers brush against the warmth of the little flame. He breathes. The soulbound hums, and for a moment, Sokka feels himself with light. Sokka, look! Sokka's eyes snap open at the sound of Katara's voice this time. What? He asks wildly, snatches his hand away from the center of Zuko's chest as if burnt. The Solban jangles in discordant notes as if in protest, but he's terrified that he did more harm. What? Did I make it worse? Katara's ocean blue eyes, a shade lighter than his own, like Dad's, are huge. Sokka, she says, you are waterbending. 
Zuko's lightning wound has gone from its livid patchwork of raised and blistering raw skin to a much paler color of a long healed over wound. It looks better than when Katara had left him, before Sokka had reached out to caress it. The firebender hasn't stirred, but there's even some color to his cheeks now, and Sokka's chest no longer throbs with the same intermittent agony as it had earlier. The soul bond sings between them, pleased. Sokka's exhausted, as if something had drained all his energy. But more importantly, he's numb from shock. That's impossible, he insists to Katara again, as if it would change anything. I'm not a waterbender. I'm not. And I'm definitely not a healer. Katara pats him in absent-minded sympathy, but her eyes and hands are working on Zuko, carefully checking him over. Well, she concludes finally, you may not have been a waterbender or healer before, but you definitely did something just now. Zuko's going to need a lot of rest, but he's in a much better state. He's going to make it. Sokka sits back as his heart swells in relief. He'd been sure of it already. Zuko's heartbeat was strong, the soul bond humming much lighter, the other side of the link not quite as static. But to hear it confirmed by the miracle that is his little sister is the best reassurance. Spirits, he mutters, automatically falling back to cursing Zuko and all Ashmakers, but realizing he can't. Dear Tween-Law. Katara smiles at him, but it's both thankfulness and confused, like she isn't sure how to process everything that just happened in the span of the last three hours. Sokka sympathizes, because he feels exactly the same. I'm so glad Zuko's okay! Aang is bouncing on the tips of his toes, like he does whenever his feelings are too big for his body. Sokka vaguely wonders if he should worry that Appa's flying without being steered, then decides that out of all the things that could and have tried to kill them, this would be the least likely. Thanks to Katara's magic healing hands, and yours too now, Sokka! How are you taking this so easily? Sokka demands, his voice coming out less loudly than he'd intended out of sheer fatigue. My life just changed. Through some freak spirit accident, I can now apparently magically waterbend and heal people. Aang tilts his head and then has the nerve to shrug like it's enough of an explanation, like freaky bizarre spirit shenanigans happen around him all the time, which, given that he's the Avatar, it does. Sokka had first-class seats as his travel companion. He knows. It's a good thing, isn't it? Aang says. We have an extra healer in the group. I guess, Katara says. Sokka glances at her. How are you taking this so easily? He demands, suspicious. He remembers the jealousy she'd harbored when Aang had mastered waterbending so easily, back before they'd come to the North Pole. His little sister shrugs as well. Well, it's not like we knew anything about the soul bond or its effects, she says. After all the stuff at the North Pole, and how you two reacted when you split apart, I don't think I can be surprised by anything anymore. Sokka huffs, even as he concedes the point. Because clearly, it's the soul bond that's allowing this to happen, not Sokka suddenly showing a late aptitude for waterbending. He might have thought it, but his apparent sudden ability to heal blew that assumption right out of the, huh, water. Healing took training. Healing required experience. Sokka just brought a lightning-struck dying firebender from the brink with the help of spirit water, his little sister's magic hands, and his own self. How is that even possible? Is his body even wired to channel waterbending? Isn't there some kind of chi path thing that should be blocking this for him? Sokka's inquiring mind wants to know and mull it over. 
But he's starting to feel drowsy. Katara had said that waterbending and healing took up a lot of energy, and Sokka was not trained for either in the slightest. So when exhaustion amplifies suddenly and hits him like flying straight into Agnaquella's fortress, he isn't surprised. He slumps. You two should rest, Aang says. Voice fond. Everything will be okay. Sokka wants to snipe that, hey, I'm the elder brother of the group. But he's really too tired. He'll figure it out later. For now, Sokka welcomes the sweet embrace of sleep. In his sleepy state, he doesn't notice his body making the executive decision to move closer to the firebender he's soul-bonded to, until their hands brush together. Zuko's eyes are closed, but he's breathing deeply and evenly, nothing like the stuttering rhythm of earlier. Sokka lets the reassuring sight of this drift him to the land of Twee's cousin.